Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Glitmer. I'm one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. In this episode, we want to talk about by what standard. In every realm of human activity, we constantly see the need of recognizing and accepting a standard of authority. In time, weights, measurements, and so on, We all understand that certain standards need to be accepted because if they are not, there would be utter confusion. Business could not be conducted and nothing of significance would ever get done. We all understand that our honesty and sincerity are not sufficient when it comes to determining the time of the day or how much we should pay or to be paid for merchandise. I remember when I was a kid, I used to watch a television show called Combat as well as war movies about World War II. And by the way, I can assure you that the war movies of my youth bore little resemblance to the war movies of today. But at any rate, at some point in almost every combat episode or during one of those movies, a group of soldiers would be gathered together just about to embark on a mission of great danger and importance, and they would say, let's synchronize our watches. Not one time did I see the guys in those groups start to say, I want my watch to be the standard, or no, I want my watch to be the standard, or my watch is better, and certainly never, it doesn't make any difference which watch we use. They would always accept one standard, and their lives depended upon it. We could all synchronize our watches right now, and if we truly wanted to know what time it was, we would not say something as foolish as one time or one watch is as good as another. If we really wanted to know, someone would have to call the U.S. Naval Observatory and get the official time because that is the standard here in the United States. No one of us would argue that our watch or cell phone must be correct because we have for years sincerely believed it to be true. No, the differences in time shown on our watches and cell phones could be easily solved by calling the observatory and all of us agreeing to accept that common authoritative standard. This very same principle, when truly and consistently applied, is the only way that differences that separate people, all of them claiming to worship Jesus, can be solved. If the unity Jesus prayed for is ever going to happen, it will only come about when men accept and obey the same standard or rule as being authoritative in the realm of religion. Let's just consider some of the suggested rules or standards by which and in which people seek authority for their religion today. What about the law of Moses? In John 1 and verse 17 we read, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. The law of Moses was provisional and temporary and given to no one other than the Jews. In Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 15, The Lord said to the Israelites through Moses, And you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Deuteronomy literally means second law. 
It is essentially a repetition of the law given to the Israelites at Sinai. The Israelites were the ones brought forth from Egyptian bondage. God never gave that law to any other but the Israelites. The temporary nature of that law was clearly pointed out. In Jeremiah chapter 31, written some 600 years before Christ, we find in verses 31 through 34 the following. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, I will remember no more. Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 24 that the law was meant as a tutor to bring the Israelites unto Christ, that justification might be by faith. But after that faith was come, they were no longer under that tutor. The law of Moses was never intended to be the standard for people, including the Jews, in this last dispensation of time. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 15, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. That law was nailed to the cross, according to Colossians chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. Now please don't misunderstand. I believe every word found in the Old Testament. It is as much the word of God as is the New Testament. However, I do not accept it as our standard to govern us today. Consider Romans 15, verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. While we're at it, let's go over to 1 Corinthians 10 and look at verse 11, where Paul, after writing about the Israelites in the wilderness, also wrote, Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction, upon whom the end of the ages have come. We use the Old Testament as a source of learning and admonition, but not as a law to govern us today. It is not our source of authority. If the law of Moses is not our standard of authority today, what about human wisdom and reason? My, how people revere human wisdom and reasoning. How smart we humans think that we are. So many will accept nothing in spiritual matters unless it makes sense and is rational to them, not to mention that they like it. With that kind of approach, divine revelation is given lip service, but that is all. Each person becomes a standard unto themselves. Consequently, no common standard or ground of agreement is possible or thought to be even necessary. There are real problems with that approach, and Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9 points that out. Isaiah wrote, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Sound reasoning, in light of passages such as this, ought to make a thinking person think twice about using human wisdom and reasoning and what they like as the standard of authority in spiritual matters. We are not equipped for that position, none of us. But men are so arrogant. Simply look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18-21. through 21. 
It tells us, For the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, but to us who are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. When we get right down to it, Paul said of those who accept human reasoning and wisdom and what they are like as the standard in Romans chapter 1 and verse 22, he said of them professing to be wise, they became fools. The wisest man ever to live other than our Lord, the man who received his wisdom as a special gift from God, Solomon, wrote in Proverbs 14 and verse 12, there is a way which seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. Human wisdom and what I like cannot be accepted as a standard of authority if we truly desire eternal salvation. Well, we live in a democratic society, so what about the majority? It is, at least in theory, the way our government is run. What the majority of the people say in some matters should be accepted, but that is not the case in spiritual matters. Even under the law of Moses, God commanded in Exodus 23 and verse 2, Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. Truly, Jesus could not have made the fallacy of following the majority as a standard any clearer than he did in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. Jesus said, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and many are those who enter by it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and few are those who find it. The old idea that everyone is doing it, therefore it must be right, just doesn't hold water when talking about spiritual matters. In fact, that idea is decidedly contrary to the teaching of the New Testament. The majority is not the standard in spiritual matters. Well, if that's the case, what about the conscience? Certainly, if I don't violate my conscience, then I'm okay. There are essentially two major problems with that idea. First, if conscience is going to be the standard, then whose conscience is going to be used? How many people are there in the world? I don't know. But each one of them has a conscience. However many people there are in the world, that would be the number of different standards in religion. Secondly, conscience is not even a safe guide as a standard for each individual. A conscience can be improperly taught. A conscience can be hardened. The Bible speaks of people in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, having become callous, having given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, and verse 2, the scriptures speak of those who, by means of the hypocrisy of liars, seared in their conscience as with a branding iron. In Titus chapter 1 and verse 15, we read, To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their mind and their conscience are defiled. Consider also a couple of statements that Paul made in the book of Acts. In Acts 23 verse 1, as Paul stood before the Jewish council, the Bible tells us, And Paul, looking intently at the council, said, Brethren, I have lived my life with a perfectly good conscience before God up to this day. 
In Acts chapter 26 and verse 9, as he stood before King Agrippa, he said, So then I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Other passages show us that during the time that Paul had a perfectly good conscience before God, he had been guilty of being a blasphemer, a persecutor of Christians, and injurious to anyone who walked according to the truth of the Lord, but he thought he was right. Do not think for one minute that conscience can be the absolute standard of authority. But then what is the standard? Well, consider Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. God after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. In the last days that we live in now, God has spoken unto us by his Son. I think of the powerful sermon that Jesus delivered in John 6, when many of his disciples turned from him and walked no more with him. In verse 63, Jesus said, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. Do we understand the significance of that statement? Do we understand the supreme importance that Jesus has placed upon his word? We are told in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 that the gospel of Christ is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Hebrews 10 and verse 9 so powerfully steadies. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. Jesus is the head of the church and the savior of the body. Since he has all authority in heaven and earth, as he said in Matthew 28 verse 18, then obviously and without question his word must be accepted as the rule or standard. His word constitutes the perfect law of liberty, James 1.25, and by it we will be judged. Jesus said in John chapter 12, verses 47 and 48, And if anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. I guess what it really boils down to is, are people willing to accept the one true standard? Most do not, and some have left saying, I just don't believe that anymore. However, there can only be unity if we all accept the same thing as our standard and do our best to follow it. It is at the point where so many simply do not care what the Bible says. In religion, they're going to do just exactly what they want to do, and that is not good enough. I hope you'll give consideration to these words. Thanks for listening.